yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know what it is. This is Kevin from the Code Progression Podcast, brought to you by MSOGD Rocks or Rock and Metal Thrive. Wishing you all once again a happy Tuesday for it is January 19th of 2021. Again, thank God we're out of 2020. Whew. But man, I got a special guest on the podcast for you today. And why am I wearing an Ice Nine Kill shirt right now? Because this band is approved by the one and only Spencer Charnas. And that's how I found out about him was when I saw a post of Spencer Charnas giving his vote of approval to this band. And they're out of Michigan. The band's name is Final Confession. And their brand new album, Means to an End, is out now. And if you love that metalcore sound, even mixing up with some pop punk and post hardcore sound, <laughs> Man, you're going to want to listen to this one. So please welcome the band Final Confession to the Core Progression Podcast. Are you ready? You better be. Let's go. Yeah. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Core Progression Podcast, thanks to a random Facebook post I saw from the one and only Spencer Charnas of Ice Nine Kills, hence the shirt today, talking about... (laughs) this band with their newest album. And I thought, you know what? Let's go take a look at it because I'm a huge Ice Nine Kills fan. Let's see what this is. And I listened to this album. It's called A Means to an End. And I just listened. I'm like, uh, is there a way I can get this band on the podcast? And literally, I sent the email a day later. And the next day, here they are today. So please welcome the band Final Confession. So everybody, welcome to Core Progression Podcast. What's going on? Thank you. Hello. Well, hello to you as well. And it's going good right now. I mean, I think outside it's starting to snow. So... Glad to be inside at the moment. <laughs> Where'd you say you were at again? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay, we're all mid in uh, Southeast Michigan. Yeah, I'm just on the I'm on the other side of the uh, the lake as you guys. <laughs> and time zone actually, so it's kind of weird, but wacky in a way at the same time. All right, well, I want to start out this episode with something I usually start out with because I find it always fun. So. I want you guys to introduce yourselves by answering the following three questions. One, I want you to give your name. Two, I want you to give what you do in the band. And three, this is always the one that trips people up. I want to know, like, we're going to go all high school introductions, like college welcoming introductions, like a little fun fact about yourself. But I always like to hear the wackiest stories that you guys have or wackiest facts you guys have. I've had people tell me they were big uh, YouTube stars over in Sweden before PewDiePie became a thing. I've had people give me their Tinder bios. That one always makes me laugh. I've had, I mean, people tell me about their famous Instagram cats or Twitter cats or dogs or whatever. So whatever you can think of, whatever wacky stories, wacky facts you can think of, I'll uh, let you guys take it away. And whoever wants to start, I say go for it. Not everyone all at once. <laughs> Someone else start. Eric called dibs. You can go first. <laughs> what? All right. Um, I'm Eric. I'm the frontman vo- and vocalist of the band. Um, I actually, weird thing, after that uh, thrift shop song came out several years ago, I decided to try doing a... Uh, metalcore version of it back in the day for youtube on as a cover it is the worst thing i'd ever done and it has probably got like over 200 views it was probably the most i'd ever seen in back in high school <laughs> now here's the biggest question i have for you eric is that video still on youtube yes <laughs> okay i know what i'm doing right after this episode is done oh, recording yeah. i'm gonna go on uh, and watch that because i still remember back at kato how was that when i was a uh... 
was either when I was a junior high school or senior high school. And my brother came back from a college. He's like, dude, you got to check this out. And he showed me thrift shop. I'm like, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> Yeah. And literally, like the, over the next like two days, all of a sudden, that's pretty much what we were listening to at that point because it was so ridiculous, but also hilarious at the same time oh, as well. So, it was like what 2011, 2012, you know, simpler times. Exactly. Actually, uh, I managed to um, blow out my buddy's subs while listening to the thrift sh- thrift shop on a road trip with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, if I mean, if you're gonna blow out subs, I mean, I think now you'd probably pick something a little bit different than thrift shop, but. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for me, if it, if it was honestly my, my pick, I would probably just try and see if I could go through the bridge and the breakdown of popular mouse by falling in reverse and see if you can blow out someone's subs with that. Just the, yeah! Ooh, if that worked, really I would have a lot of fun with it, but I don't know anyone that has subs in their car anymore because, well, exactly. people get older and they're like, oh, you know, we're not going to put these in our cars because they're more expensive now. If I had a car that wasn't a piece of shit, I would have subs in it, but my car's... <laughs> not gonna waste the time or effort but then again if you bought if you're gonna find like a pair of subs on craigslist or on ebay or something like that or just on the side of the road and you're able to hook them up i mean why not yeah that's right side of the road all right i feel like that's perfect into funneling into katie for her introduction so up okay. to you now well uh, i'm katie <laughs> uh i play guitar and do vocals mostly cleans and I don't know what's what's interesting about me. I met Avenged Sevenfold when I was younger. I guess that's the most wacky fact I have. Uh, when did you meet Avenged Sevenfold? Um, I was like 14 or 15. 15, I think. Yeah, they're really cool. They're like the coolest in person. I've never had a chance to see them live. I've talked to a couple of people that uh, have certain relationships with them, either with like they know like members of their family. So they've met a bunch of them beforehand. And I'm like, I really want to go and meet these guys. However, since I started the whole this whole entire thing, a bench unfold has not come through my neck of the woods. So haven't really been able to see them. Or if for some reason they did, I was probably in a mosh pit somewhere else. <laughs> I was lucky. I, I saw them like on the tail end of like their like awesomeness you know not that they are horrible now but they definitely were more awesome eight to ten years ago so i saw them like right after the rev died so they were still too i think okay good show yeah right right when uh like they came out with nightmare yeah right around that time okay Alrighty, uh, we'll go to JJ next because he just seems like he's sitting there be the perfect transition you guys are sitting right next to each other so jj you're up um well, my name's JJ Jewel. That was step one, right? Yep, that's I'm step one. Other guitarist in the band, you know, with Katie being the, the first one. Um, I'm sitting here racking my brain trying to think of the best random fact, right? And I have a ton of little ones and no no one giant big one. Um, one thing I don't think everyone in the band knows, back when my, my ex-stepmom, when my dad was married to her, uh, we owned a pet store. I had a pet monkey that bit part of my friend's ear off. It's <laughs> a little... <laughs> Just a little piece of beer. You know, you get hungry sometimes. So. <laughs> I mean, he just wanted to, he probably watched that Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield fight and just wanted to imitate him. So pick me a marmoset, like one of those things, like the body's squirrel size, then the tail's like a foot and a half, two feet long. Yeah. It was like a little rat that just flew everywhere. <laughs> oh, oh, dear no. God. Sorry, man. I'll say like, that's gotta be a monkey that just got all this sort of just, uh, 
quick energy and very agile, so you probably can't catch it because of how small they are. But then that tail, I mean, it'll whack you in the face. All of a sudden, they'll climb up on something. They'll swing from something from their tail. And next thing you know, you're missing half your ear. You know, it <laughs> happens. <laughs> yeah, John still brings that up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. It's a, it's honestly a cool story. So, yeah, you should keep bringing it up. Because all of a sudden, yeah, JJ had a monkey <laughs> well, I, once, I, and it bit my ear. If he remembers, I'll go, what? But <laughs> all right, well, Adam, can you top any of these? I mean, some of these are pretty good. Oh, not at all. I'm Adam, bassist. Uh, the only interesting thing I've got going on is that I've got the Tony Iommi thing going on with the chopped off fingertips. How did that happen? Uh, it's a, a factory accident, uh, plastic factory. They have those shears that come down and cut the plastic. They also cut through fingers. <laughs> so literally the Tony Iommi thing, like straight up the Tony Iommi thing. <laughs> Pretty much. But I am right-handed. Okay, so the, rever- like, what is it? The uh, the transposed version, we'll put it that way, of Tony Iommi. <laughs> Everything is the same except the hand. That's it. That's fair. <laughs> and it lo- I think he might have froze. Yeah, but- I think it- Pretty but oh we got we got we got his we got his glimmering smile so at least we got yeah, that probably. yeah I, I think his story definitely wins though i think it does yeah i mean getting having your fingers up and then actually just like showing him to prove it totally yeah. wins the day on this one even more than thrift shop even more than a monkey biting an ear off <laughs> even more than meeting the bench sevenfold i think that's the winner good job adam if you guys say so <laughs> I mean, I mean, what you probably could do is just take a look at your sweatshirt, just go to another dimension, find another Adam, chop his hand off, get it sewed on somewhere. You'll be good to go. Don't get Adam to do that one of these days. On you. <laughs> well, alrighty. Well, well, first thing first is well, after that, I should say, but jumping into your band final confessions. Well, I mean, I was honestly surprised when all of a sudden the first thing that came across my Facebook feed was all of a sudden seeing a video of Spencer Charnas, you know, applauding the band and talking very highly of you guys. So that was like the first thing that got me just wanting to check you guys out. So how did that happen? Um, so actually, and I don't know if you caught from looking our social media page, what up all that, whatever, uh, me and Katie have been married for about two and a half years. And this, this has been a really rough year with COVID and all that sitting here trying to think of a Christmas present. Um, started as a Christmas present idea for her then the band. It was a surprise they didn't know about until pretty shortly before the video came out. It was through that cameo service. You pay and you get a celebrity shout out and all that. But I, you know, hit him up and made sure we were, we did the right way to be able to use it to promote our band. And I was just expecting, you know, like a dumb, oh, I'm Spencer Charnas, the hollow final. No, it sounds like it sounded very genuine from him. I think he might have actually looked our stuff up. Cause he was saying the names of it and like he, he wasn't reading a script that was from him. So it was exciting. I'll put it this way. I probably saw that post, like the, the Facebook post on your personal Facebook page, like a half hour before we started this. So I did see some of that. I just wanted to ask the question. However, after watching the Spencer's video as well, hearing the names of the, of the album come up hearing a couple of songs come up in there as well. I mean, you could easily tell that this wasn't something that he was reading off a script or had like a computer in front of him that he was just reading off of. This was something that actually sounded completely genuine for the band. So that's what really drew me in the first place. 
awesome. awesome. I'm happy it's doing that. Yeah. And hopefully it draws other people in as well because I mean that I mean, especially with how big Ice Nine Kills has gotten over the past two years following the release of the Silver Scream and then oh, just yeah. seeing them tour because at the beginning of the year, or in sometime in 2020, when Five Finger Death Punch was to have that headlining tour, they were supposed yeah. to go in open form, and then Papa Roach was going to be on there, I Prevail was going to be on there. And then before that even happened, when COVID shut down, they were over in Europe with Papa Roach and uh, Hollywood Undead. That's why Spencer's on the uh, Heart of a Champion, like, second version that Hollywood Undead had on New Empire Volume 2. How long have you been following them? Um, okay, so... Oh, go ahead. It started basically in like probably October of 2019, just cause I started seeing some stuff pop up about him. Cause of course it's around Halloween time. It's one year after the silver screen releases. So I check out some of the music, but then they were playing in Milwaukee on November 2nd, 2019. So this is right after Halloween and they were, and it was a, a octane accelerator tour with uh throw or not a uh, fit for a King and light the torch. I wanted to go see light the torch cause I wanted to see Howard Jones. That was my big thing. But of course I'm like, well, let's see what happens with ice night kills. And, that was a show that I still talk about to this day because it was just they played for two straight hours in a in a basement uh, venue where it was packed. It was sold out. And if there weren't two other acts that were in the bigger stages above it, they would have had to move them up because of how many people were trying to get into that show. And it was just all the it was it was a show where it didn't matter if you were sitting all the way in the back, if you were all the way up front, if you were getting pushed around or if you were in a, if you were in the pit, no matter where you were, you were going to have a freaking blast. Just the imagery, just the the energy, just everybody, everything about it. I just, I still remember it to this day. It's it's ridiculous. Actually, I went and saw Ice Nine Kills on that same tour in their Michigan stop, and oh, it, they did like true? a full twenty song set. I remember, and it was freaking amazing. I almost skipped Thanksgiving, like because usually my family like we'll do something the day before Thanksgiving. They were playing in Chicago the day before Thanksgiving. I thought about skipping the whole entire thing just to go see him again, even though I'd seen him like three weeks beforehand. I'm like, fuck <laughs> this. I want to do this again. Right. And of course, with everything that happened in 2020, I'm not too uh, happy that I decided to skip out on that one because right. oh, I miss live shows. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're not going anywhere anytime soon. And uh, I mean, it's I actually have a couple random facts about how Ice Nine Kills has impacted this band, too, because... I mean, I I did music from like 14 to like 20, and then I stopped for a couple years because of shit that happened, and I was too sad to do music and stuff. And then Ice Nine Kills, have you heard The Predator Becomes the Prey? Oh, absolutely. That album is like, there were two two things that got me to want to try music again. That album and Steve Carell. I, don't ask me why Steve Carell. He just inspired me that, to live again. You know what I mean? But that album is like the single like musical thing that made me want to even try again. And then that's when I started putting together, um, you know, this lineup. And then the second thing is the only reason I knew Eric existed was because I took a couple old friends of mine to go see Ice Nine Kills. I think right around the time, well, maybe like 2018, 2018 yep. in October, November or something. And yep. I was like, we're going to need a vocalist pretty soon. Like, do you know of anyone? And they were like, yeah, this dude, he's the best vocalist I've ever met. And so that's the only reason I knew Eric existed. So it's, it's pretty fitting um, that Spencer was interested in checking out our music and stuff. And I'm really happy that he seemed genuine about it because he and Ice Nine Kills really are like intertwined into the history of why this band is what it is. So, 
And that's, and that's totally understandable as well. But then again, when you listen to that shout out that you guys got on Cameo, it didn't sound like a normal shout out. It sounded like something that really had a lot of substance behind it because I've seen people have their shout outs posted to them and just like with other people, not necessarily musicians, more just famous people or celebrities, athletes, that kind of stuff. And it seems like it's like, you know, they have an idea of what they always want to say in their head. They just change out the names here and there. This one sounded a lot different than that because it had that like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like with the voice that Spencer Charnas has normally, it kind of has that like innate horror movie kind of vibe. Like, a, yeah. like some, like, like he's going to be like actually some sort of slasher in a movie, but right. before he puts the mask on, kind of get that like creepy suaveness to it. And it was exactly there. It was there every step of the way. And again, when you hear the name of your band come up, the name of the album and a couple of songs come up as well. And it's just being rattled off the top of the head like that. You can easily tell that this was something that, Yes, it was a cameo shout out. However, this was more than just that. Mm-hmm. Like there was research done in this one. Oh, definitely. But then again, one other thing too is, is however you can get your name out there and get other people listen to your music. I mean, that's one of the biggest keys out there now because I've talked to many people about this when it comes to music, especially in 2020, because no one's playing live shows because of COVID. Damn you, COVID. Still pissed about that. But when it comes to pl- getting people's attention and music, Everyone's going to be listening through streaming services. So how are you going to get the attention of people to get jump onto your jump on your Spotify, jump on your Apple Music stuff, jump on a, if you're on Google Play or Amazon, wherever it might be, wherever they might be streaming? How are you going to do that? And if you get someone who people really like in terms of uh, like any sort of music musical prowess that they really enjoy and they speak highly of your band, holy shit, you're going to start getting people to really start latching onto it. That's what happened with the band Saul after they wrote uh, King of Misery with David Draymond from Disturb, and David Draymond really got behind him. All of a sudden, people started picking him up. Octane started picking him up, and their their song was like number 18 on Big Guns this year for Sirius XM Octane. Their album just completely blew up once they uh, dropped it on October 23rd, I think it was. So it's just something like that where people are going to start getting behind your music because they're seeing the artists that they love also talk about it. Yeah, that's super appreciative of his um, genuine take on it and really thrilled about it. So, Well, I mean, if if I would be too, because it's just like, holy shit, man. Look who said something about our music. Ah! No, literally, as, as soon as we got the video sent to our little group chat, because JJ made sure like I was out of work before he sent it to all of us. And I looked at it and I blew up the group chat trying to understand what the hell I'd just seen. No, no, I really have to ask, Eric, did you see the video and that's when you lost one of your fingertips? Oh, I haven't lost a fingertip. No, I'm, uh, oh, Adam, my bad. Okay, I always mess up at some point during the podcast. That was my first mess up. <laughs> Eric so, looks at his hand like it's what? a... What? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, let me re- rephrase that. Adam. So when you saw the message, was that when you lost one of your fingertips because you're watching while cutting some plastic? It's just like, ah! <laughs> just couldn't help it. <laughs> hey, man, it is totally understandable. So when are, now I want to jump more into the album itself with a means to an end because I want to get a little bit of the backstory behind it as well because before I actually start talking about the music with you guys because the night before I did this, but before we did this, I listened through the whole thing probably like three or four times. I was really trying to get an understanding and a feel for it so that by the time we came on the podcast, I wasn't going to be like, oh, so what's it about? What's it about? What's this? What's that? I actually could, you know, have some substance behind it. But 
there wasn't much that I could find about like the makings of it and the overall influence behind the making of the album. So I kind of want to know about that in terms of how did this album get really generated? How did you guys work on this? And how are you inspired to create something like this? Good question. Uh, <laughs> well, a, a couple of the songs um, kind of existed before in the old era of the band, and we just kind of brought them over and adapted them with everyone's new fresh take on it. Um, but a majority of them, I think five of the songs uh, we wrote together as this lineup. And when that happens, um, generally someone gets an idea for a song and bounces it off the rest of us. And we just kind of see where we can take it and just kind of add what we feel like is missing. And um, I think I think lyrically the concepts of it just kind of came together because we all kind of think similarly. So a lot of the topics were centered around like mental health, um, like societal stress, you know, just overall the pressures of being alive, I guess. And that's why it's kind of called a means to an end because it's what it feels like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, that's what I take away from it. Everyone else should share what you guys think as well. Am I frozen? No, I, I was wondering who wants to go next. It looked like JJ was already on the screen, so I thought he was going to go start going. <laughs> that was from her talking. <laughs> All right, we'll just jump to JJ on this one. Uh, so when it came to writing a means to an end, really creating it, what was the overall thought process from you behind creating this album and the inspiration behind it as well? As a writer and this band and any other band, I've always been kind of like the the flavor on top editor after. Like after we have structure and a skeleton and all that I, I throw in some of the little stuff like in particular especially with mannequins the music video that little hook that comes before the first chorus i i have yet and we're, we're sitting down you said this is going to come out what in january sometime yeah like a few now, something like that um obviously we're always thinking about the next writing so second album's on our minds and some writing's happening for that um i have yet to sit down and i want to do it this time and be like oh i i made this song with the help of the band, but I, I haven't been a primary writer like that yet. I've had a little bit of hand in just about every song, but not sat down and like, I, I top to bottom did this. Understandable. So. And one thing I will mention is like a foreshadowing precursor for everyone in the podcast. I do want to talk about mannequins. I do want to talk about that hook that you wrote before the first chorus as well, because that was something that really stuck out to me the first time I want to get into it, but I will get into it a little bit later just so we can continue on with not only Eric, but also Adam talking about this album as well, what it meant to them, what it was like writing it and the inspiration they had behind it as well. So uh, yeah, we'll go with Eric on this one. Well, uh, for me, the album really did just feel like a means to an end because like, this was like a uh, like this is my first time ever actually being involved in a, an actual professional band like everything else I'd ever done before this was just like personal just random stuff for like YouTube or just messing around but like this was my first opportunity to actually show and showcase like what I can do and am capable of as a musician to not only myself but just to everybody and so it just felt like it was a steady progression just through everything. And it, there was just every, uh, there was just like a different take with every song. And that's what I really like about it is that there's not one specific like uh, meaning or uh, 
intent to each, each song or throughout the album it's just something individually hit everywhere so we can kind of move forward like with the next album and kind of get more of a feel for where all of our styles will mesh together that's a very understandable way to put it as well because when it comes to creating a debut album very rarely are people going to hit on a debut album like Linkin Park did with Hybrid Theory. Oh, yeah. But, but where I'm going with that is I'm not saying that, you know, you guys didn't get anywhere near that. What I'm saying is when it comes down to creating a debut album, what a lot of times happens is you there's many different things that are tried within there to try and figure out exactly, okay, what is the band's sound at its core? And when you figure that out, then you're able to start branching out and experimenting in so many different styles, but while also keeping that core sound as well to make sure that you are innately yourself but also trying so many different things as well. On that first time, it always seems like you're, try, like you're trying to really figure it out at that point as well. So you're gonna try a couple of different things. You're gonna try a couple of different styles, some different song structures, some different experimentations in there as well. So it does make a lot of sense to where, you know, a second or third element is gonna come from you guys in the future, but that's gonna be in a little bit because this one just came out recently in the past couple of months. You guys are gonna end up really starting to hone your craft even further. However, after listening to this album, you're definitely a lot closer to what I would say would be that like hybrid theory kind of style in terms of really finding that style right away instead of that, okay, this is our first album and the second one's going to be completely different because you weren't necessarily sure what you were doing. This one definitely seems like there is a lot of substance behind it already. Oh, yeah. All righty. Well, now that we got Eric down, Adam. So when it came to writing this album, what was the biggest inspiration for you and what was the overall process when it came to writing this album and your thoughts on all of this? Uh, this album in general was pretty weird for me. I was going from being the lead guitarist and vocalist in uh, bands before this. And for this band, I switched it up and uh, started playing on the bass um, as well as as this band being the heaviest band I've been in. The other bands were mostly heavy metal, thrash type stuff. So I was in a whole new world, basically. So I put in everything that I had into it, tried to fill in the gaps of what, what, what was missing. I uh, felt like I added a lot to the parts that were a little, little more basic with uh, some crazier riffs on the bass. And I contributed some of the uh, lyrics to a couple of the songs. So I, I kind of had my hand in a lot of it. So it was all just kind of a new experience for me. However, having this kind of a new experience, though, when you're used to writing it in a different way, writing it as the front person of the band, also kind of more of a lead on the band as well. When you're writing something like this, you're able to bring some of that experience into it. So when you're writing your parts as well and you're trying to contribute, you understand where the direction of the song is going. You're understanding where this whole entire construction is. So you're adding your parts in with that in mind to make sure that you're not adding your parts there so that you just look good on there. And then it might de be a detriment to the song. No, you're fully understanding the team effort behind writing these songs sure. and what you're going to do in order to best maximize not only what you're doing, but maximize the sound of the song overall. Right. It's good to know when to lay off and when to pick it up. Oh, easily. And again, that experience really holds true here. And then one thing that uh, Katie said that I do want to touch on when you're talking about the lyrical content, talking about, you know, basically means and what it means to be getting through this life as human and going through all the trials and tribulations of it. When you're speaking honestly on something like that, that's always going to connect with fans more so than anything else. 
And the biggest reason I say is because when I take a look back at the songs that I remember from the past couple of years, like 2008, 2019, 2020, the, I, cause I, that's when I started doing all this stuff. And I always did like the year end awards and I always picked like the best songs of the year kind of thing. The ones that always stuck out to me, the three that always stuck out to me were something that had more of this innate feel of real depth to them in terms of the lyrical content and how the sound of the song really added to it. So for 2020, my favorite song of the year was Above My Head by Polaris. And the reason for that was because just the way the Napoleonic guitar sounded alongside the rougher, unclean vocals in the verses, plus the cleaner vocals in the chorus and talking about feeling overwhelmed by depression and not being able to just kind of break through that and be feeling like you're weighing above your head on trying to get through this, maybe by yourself, maybe with other people. I've felt that before. I know exactly what that feels like. And that song perfectly ex- like amplifies all that and perfectly explains all that just within its four and a half minute runtime. So just if you're able to capture something like that by being completely genuine, that's where you're really going to make your mark in terms of having people listen to your music and be like, holy shit. And they're just going to connect with it in so many other ways than you could possibly imagine. Oh, certainly. Let's say, because you guys probably have songs like that where you listen to and it's just like the message that's being spoken to in that song, along with the way that the music sounds it all ex- like explains a certain feeling or a certain time period in your life perfectly just in that certain runtime. And again, those are the ones that always stick out in our heads because we have either, even if it's a negative experience that we had, if we got through that, it gives a reminder to how far we've come. And now that is what I call therapy with Kevin. So, because you're kind of i think we're quiet because we're kind of vibing on that and we're all picturing what part of what song does that for us at least i was i was picturing a certain part of aftermath that does that and i'm like yeah you're right dude (laughs) so i mean look at me go just kind of bring up is i'll say this is that your song aftermath or is that the ghost inside's aftermath our okay the reason i I bring up this because like i because i listened because i remember when the aftermath of the ghost i dropped earlier this year and i was just like holy shit it had the exact same kind of feel (laughs) but it must but it's also different too when you're writing music as well because now you're putting your own personal experiences into words as well and i know that can be daunting at times because now you're putting yourselves out there and it can be kind it can be kind of scary at sometimes however again when musicians put something out there that genuine what's going to end up happening is people are going to end up connecting what you're talking about and the message that you're talking about and what you went through to their own life. And that's going to end up giving them a tangible thought, a tangible way to explain what they went through just by listening to that song. And people are going to be able to feel what they felt through how you express it in the music. And that creates this like super duper strong bond between band and fan and also between fan and other fans as well to the point where you play these songs live and people are just going to end up just going absolutely crazy to them whether it's in a mosh pit whether it's just you know they're going to be in the front row crying and singing every single word every step of the way because they just associate themselves with it so much and that's when you know you've really made an impact in people's lives for sure that describes how i've fallen in love with any band or album that i've fallen in love with you know like you hear it and you just like can't get enough of it and you're like i think we know each other (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think we all have albums like that too that really just we can listen over and over again and the reason is because we connect with them in that way oh yeah i definitely have a couple albums like that myself uh recent recently i'd actually uh disturbed released a song it was like called hold on to memories 
And I had uh, unfortunately lost a family member recently over uh, 2020. So like as soon as that song came on and it just randomly played on my Spotify, I was driving and I did, it definitely hit me in the feels right there. <laughs> so it, it, that definitely is a song that'll hit you in the feels. And I got to ask you this question now, Eric, have you ever seen the live music video that they made for it? I have not seen that yet. Already. The reason I asked that is because if you watch it, Wait for the two minute and 37 second mark because you will see in the, in the, at the two, the two minute 37 second mark, you'll see a woman and she is just like, like super emotional getting into the song. But on the right side of the screen, you're going to see some, like some guy just looking super goofy with like half his face cut off by the screen and just smiling like a dope. Oh, geez. and that, that guy is me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. I'm gonna have to check that out. But but then again, watch the whole video too because there's so much going on there that you really understand the power that the song has that it had on you as well. And one of the biggest ones is you'll see a couple that holds up a little onesie. It's like a onesie that has a bunch of metal, like it's like Metallica on it, but it's Metallica okay. South Park characters. And they're also holding up a picture of a little baby. And I was I asked because the woman that was in the shot with me because she's one of the biggest Acerb fans I've ever met in my entire life. Okay. I actually, and she knows those people. So I asked her what the story was behind it was they had a child and they lost the child within like the first like month or so, unfortunately, oh. and trying to get through that, that song was just the thing that really helped them get through it. And it's just a super emotional connection to them. And even like a couple seconds after that in the video, you'll see them talking to David Draymond right after the song as well. Oh, that's awesome. So it's just, I, the only reason I wanted to bring up is because if you had that kind of emotional connection again, it's the amount of people that have emotional connection to that song for the same sort of idea, but just the specifics are completely different. Mm -hmm. It's that's how music can really connect people. And that's how your music can connect with many people as well, because of the themes that you're talking about it, because of the sounds and because of how those sounds are amplified in terms of giving expressionable explanations to those thoughts and feelings. Oh, definitely. Like I had to make sure I put that right because I've said this a number of times, but I wanted to make sure I said it right again because if I mess it up again, I'd be like, Ugh. I'd probably have to walk <laughs> off here and just like grab a V8 and just smack myself in the head. <laughs> or twist and <laughs> She beat us too. She beat us. She beat us to it. I don't have any twisted tea. I just have, I think, Coors Banquet and Labatt Blue in my beer fridge right now. So <laughs> I've never had it. I'm I'm probably gonna have to get a case just to see. A case of twisted tea. Yeah. I still, I've never had it either. When I was it, down in, I was, I was down in Florida in 2019, like people were drinking it all over the place. But then again, it was for the Daytona 500 weekend. And my dad and I were just, my dad was drinking like Coors Light and Miller Light. They had Yinling out there. I couldn't resist. <laughs> I tried twisted tea once. It's not that bad. <laughs> Is it bad? It, it was all right. I'm not a big tea fan, so it's generally hard especially cold tea eh, but it'll give you a good smack we know that now that's true <laughs> all right now i want to jump further into your music so people can really get a full feel for it i want to start out with mannequins as well because again that's where we really started when jj when you're talking about that specific hook that you created between the first verse and the chorus and i want to know what was the inspiration behind that hook before i kind of also give you my rundown of what I thought of it because I'm not, it'll be interesting to see what you think of it. <laughs> we were in the studio and that's, uh, 
you know, that's where a lot of small parts ended up getting added. And I think, I think the group just said we need something here. So I said, hand me the guitar and it just kind of came out. <laughs> it's little, it's like three different notes. It's nothing. You know, the, yeah, we're obviously talking about the same one. Yeah. It's hell, but it, it works. I think it really brings you into the chorus better. Well, cause, cause the first thing that I thought about it was, Right from the beginning of the song as well, because I always, if you see me looking over to my right, the reason is because I've got a note sheet that I wrote out here on my other screen, so I don't want to mess up what I wrote. And it was like, right when the first verse comes in, it hits with that brutally fast-paced metalcore sound with some really rough, unclean vocals from you, Eric. So at this point, I'm like, I feel like I know I'm going to get more of a metalcore track here. But then again, as the verse comes down, we end up seeing that less brutal style of metalcore come in, and yep. then you're seeing that different style of hook that you create with the guitar, kind of with some softer sounds as well than they were before however they have that same power behind them so at this point i was intrigued about again first off why was this included in here because i didn't know where the song was going at this point this is the first time i ever heard you guys a song from you was listening to mannequins i'm like okay yep. this is definitely <laughs> wacky because with the unclean vocals on there i'm not gonna lie at first it sounded out of place however that's before i heard the chorus after i heard the chorus then I see why that transition was there and why it worked out so well in my mind because you get a softer, like, post-hardcore, metalcore mix. I kind of thought of it like a harder Escape the Fate kind of feel, especially with Katie's vocals coming in clean, and it's very smooth going into it. And I love that contrast, but that quick transition, that quick little uh, uh, hook that you put in there between the first verse and the first chorus, that just made everything connect perfectly. So that was a huge fan of that. I would have to say out of the whole band, and I, I don't know everyone's catalog of all the music that they listen to regularly, I think I probably have the softest taste. Like, I came before this, it was pop punk, and before that, it was like Aerosmith, Guns N' Roses, and all that. I'm the farthest from metal until I really got into this band. Okay, and I love it now, but I I always, like, bands like A Date or a Member and, like, the early 2010 stuff is what got me into this territory at all and i always find myself gravitating back towards like what separates me from you the whole the whole taste of blending that hard and not right and that, that i think i definitely drew on that in the 10 seconds that hook came out <laughs> oh easily it's just at first when you first hear it you're wondering what the heck is going to go on with this because of the way the intro and the first verse sound but when you get to the chorus it just makes so much sense awesome I was, and I was gonna say using a data remember as that example, it makes total sense because they did so, they've done something very similar with that going from a harder verse to like a more pop punky kind of chorus. This one had more of that post like a faster pace, a little bit harder of a post hardcore feel to it. However, again, just that simple hook just made the connection between the verse and the chorus. If that wasn't there, I'm not sure if this would have worked out as well. But because it was there, it just connected it perfectly. Awesome, happy to hear. I'll do it again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think it'd be a good suggestion. Thank you. It seemed like it over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One, I was say one other thing that I was rather curious about with this one was because every time you listen to like a song that really has like that metalcore back, post hardcore backing, there always seems to be that very consistent structure to where it's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, breakdown, chorus, end. However, on Mannequins, that really didn't happen. And that was something that threw me for a loop right away. But because, right, again, once we get back after the first chorus, we get into the second verse, and it's pretty much right where the first verse left off. But then that transitions 
kind of more like a cosmic feel that you had on the intro song with Apathy. But you end up kind of bringing back that heavier drum and really build into something rather different. So now I kind of got, okay, now I get where the connection with Apathy comes in, kind of bringing that in there. Because hearing that from the beginning, I'm like, where the hell is Final Confession even going with this album? But kind of bringing that back, I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of see how this makes sense. All of a sudden, the you know, the transition plays, verse picks up faster pace, cosmic feel pace on the guitar. And it just gets us like back in the course. I'm like, I love the move here because it gets us back into the course with like, a longer setting. So it's like a bridge in a way. So I'm like, huh, this is definitely interesting. So it gives the song like a fresh feel and gives a lot more through that transition. But then, oh man, that breakdown and when all of a sudden, Eric, when you hit that black in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll say this. It reminded me of something like when I first listened to Motionless in White and I first heard Chris Motion do, do his black. It, like, it reminded me of something like that, just the way it transitioned into the breakdown. I was like, okay, here we go. That was the thing that really, that was like the first thing that really made me want to just like reach out to you guys right then and there was right after I heard that black. Cause I remember I was sitting, I was standing over here. I heard it. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah I, I am actually a huge motionless fan so there probably was definitely some of that involved there <laughs> i mean that's a good that's a good inspiration to have not gonna lie well thank you <laughs> but then there's also one other thing i want to ask about mannequins and that's when the song ends because the way it's kind of it ends with more of like an outro kind of style it had this high tech shredding sound on the lead guitar that sounded like honestly it was like inspired by dragon force but was like metalcore brutality mixed with a Dragon Force style higher pitch shred. And I'm just like, how in the hell did you guys make this work after a whole entire bleh breakdown? <laughs> but, but by the time it was over, I was just sitting here thinking, damn. Now I know why this song is there. Like on Spotify is their biggest. I know why they made a music video off of this one. Because again, damn, it was good. <laughs> At what point? Because she does all the sweeps. At what point did you throw that in? Well, first of all, right thanks for that. That's a really good analysis, and I'm, I'm happy you picked up on all the nuances of the song and the progression and stuff. Because I'm I'm a really big fan of not copy and pasting. You know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. I like to. I think that gets really stale and you can only connect with people so long with that format, you know? So Which remind us to talk about miasma theory later on. Yeah. Go on. Um, as far as the outro, um, that kind of, that's a combination of two of my inspirations, like the rhythm guitar, you know how it's doing like the, na, 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 na. that's kind of like a, like Moss to Flames inspiration for me. Cause they do that a lot, like on the low string, like a nice consistent, and then the sweeping, it's funny that you said Dragon Force because it's actually not. I actually learned how to do that type of sweep from Seize the Day by Avenged Sevenfold when he's standing on the coffin and he's doing that sweep. That's the same exact like shape on the guitar. Like, so it, it's kind of weird how I how we're able to blend those styles together and like make something that's relatively compelling. So I'm glad you brought that up. And now that you bring up the whole entire like Moss of Flames thing as well, I can easily see that happening because they brought a lot of that in No Attorney and Gold this whole entire or in 2020. So, and that was one thing that really made it have that consistent heaviness behind their album as well. So, really having that like metalcore brutality sound still in there with those guitar sweeps, having that come in from the rhythm guitar. Oh man, that was perfect. Thanks. 
the one thing that I will say about this is like, after I heard this, like, I'm like, okay, let's go into some more stuff. Let's keep going, run down the album. And I know what you said about, you don't want to have that consistent copy and paste style where it's like, okay, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, breakdown, chorus, end it with an outro kind of thing. You don't always want to have that. But then again, like when I listen to something like mannequins, all of a sudden going through the next couple of songs, let me pull them up real quick. So I don't mess it up because that would be bad. Something like Lizzie walks off an anthem of the broken. Like there was some different kind of constructions in there where you had a long bridge and breakdown place, like after the second verse or even after the first chorus. And at times like, okay, that's like, I love the fact that you guys experiment with this. However, again, if you're going to keep bringing up that over and over and over and over again, each song is going to kind of run through and be the same. So I was hoping at some point that wasn't going to like, there's going to be some sort of change up in there. Right. As I'm thinking that right after Anthem of the broken heads and also you get into bury your dead. I'm just like, yep, that changed. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. And I'm not sure because I'm thinking of looking even like the Spotify list right now. Like that only has at the moment, just over a thousand plays. However, out of all the songs you listen to, that was the one that just stuck out to me the most. Yeah. It's the funnest to play. That was the first single off the album, too. We did a lyric video back in what, August? Mm-hmm. August? Yeah. Really? So, so I got to ask the inspiration behind this song and how you guys wrote this one. Well, that is Adam's Child. So start with that. Yep. All right, Adam, you're up. Um, it was actually supposed to be part of a different song, which is Asthma Theory. And I was trying to come up with a, a little more technical bit for the next part that we're working on for that. And then I just came up with that intro riff for Barrier Dead and it just didn't fit. And I was like, this has to be its own song. It's got to do its own thing here. All right, now I got to I gotta jump over to JJ now because he said it was talking about you're going to have to bring up the asthma theory at some point and you just brought it up. So I got to know, what is this theory? Well, <laughs> Uh, my asthma theory i think is the most progressive structure on the whole album um we are actually going to be announcing probably tomorrow if not the next day uh we have a lyric video coming for that song it's kind of like a last minute surprise for after the album drop and all that you're gonna see it early january we're gonna be releasing this video it's actually we've done other than mannequins you know live music video the whole music video that we've done mostly lyric videos so far we had to spice this one up a little bit. So when we sat down thinking of concepts and all that, our guy that does all our videos, we're actually doing like a anime action sort of thing. We're going to have main characters, Katie, like the very, you can tell the likeness of Katie is one of the characters. We have the full video. We can send it to you after if you want to sneak peek at, at this. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> you can tell when you see it, like you have Katie, you have Eric, and then we have a guest vocalist that's in another local band near us. His name's Justin Savvy. Um, and they're like the main characters in this video. And it's actually really cool. I haven't seen this like art form done for bands before. I got a notification. I'm swiping up. Sorry. Because like what I, you said, what, I was going to say when you said um, kind of like that, like more anime style music video. I mean, first thing I'm thinking is like, okay, thinking animated style music videos, thinking something like Gorillaz or something like Breaking the Habit by Linkin Park. I would have to go back. I've not actually watched that in a very long time. Breaking the Habit, because that came out when I was like in sixth or seventh grade. I'll be 30 next year. Um, yeah, I need to watch. It's literally been probably 10 years, 15 years since I watched it. But at least other local metalcore, post-hardcore around here, like if it's lyric videos, it's usually like, oh, fire, death, hell, and then here's our words, which we've done before. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. but, but uh, it's going to be cool. And that's coming 
yeah, pretty shortly. Yeah. But we were talking about song structures and all that, and miasma theory, I think, is the most all over the place in a good way sort of set up. And that, that's why that came up. Okay, because I do want to jump back to Bury Your Dead first, because that one, yeah. again, that was the one that stuck out to me the most. And Adam, when you're talking about that intro that was written for it, honestly, that was the first thing that, again, that just launched me right into the song, because it had this, like, it had that metalcore, but also mixed with like a post-hardcore feel at the same time as well. And I absolutely loved it because you get that heavy metalcore fast-paced sound. It's an instant draw, but that post-hardcore inspiration behind it gives it a lighter feel. So it's honestly like that hook from Mannequins. Like it just brings you right into it. And you're like intrigued just because you want to know where the hell this song is going to end up going. Right. I know exactly what you're saying. And, uh, for the chorus, I wanted to dial it down a bit, so it's more like a chord uh, progression type structure. Uh, but then we kind of do the verse, chorus, verse, chorus type of thing with that song. I felt like we kind of needed that on the album because we didn't really touch up on that type of writing style previously. Yeah, and like I was talking about earlier where you it's like I know you don't always want to do that, like always have that as the same target, but you can bring it in like a couple of times here and there and it's going to work and it's going to end up giving that diversity to the overall album structure itself because, yeah, you're going to bring in a different structure. It's not going to be like these, uh, these other unique structures that you're working with. It's going to bring something in that is going to be different when you're listening to the album and a full run through. Now, if I listen to this just straight away, it'd be like, okay, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, that kind of structure. But after going through the album just top to bottom and the whole run through. Yeah. This placing this at five again, it was like, had me questioning at first, like, okay, are they going to go to these consistently different song tricks with putting, you know, putting like a bridge and a breakdown, like after like the first chorus or after the first, after the second verse on this one, I'm like, nah, that's not happening. So again, it just, it helped keep the album incredibly fresh going into the second half of it. Yeah. It's nice to pepper different things here and there and make the weird stuff stand out. Well, making the regular stuff also somehow stand out just by mixing them together. Yeah. And then, cause like I'm going through the song again in the verses, you kind of kept that, what the intro brought, like that same feel to it. But then you added Eric's unclean vocals on top of it. And I was honestly just a huge fan of this because Eric, just your vocals added so much heaviness to the song that you guys had previously within the album. So again, there's that whole connection there. So it doesn't feel like this song is completely out of place, but it contrasts against having that like, lighter sound higher pitch lead guitar that just has that lighter like more post hardcore sound while also having this really fast paced metalcore feel to so i'm like okay there is definitely a lot going on here but it's just still bringing you in every step of the way the contrast worked out in this completely and then and what you said about the chorus like going in kind of keeping a little bit more of like a not as really heavy more softer i'm like okay here we go because listening to it had a little bit more of that post hardcore feel and honestly katie it played off your vocal set incredibly well because you kind of went with something what I thought was more of like a more melodic vocal style here. And I was all in for it from the moment I heard it because it gives this song a whole different life than even the other ones had up to this point. Contrast against the faster paced, unclean verses, vo like vocally, isn't that really makes this stand out as potentially, in my opinion, the best song on the album. And the other great part about this is at the end of the chorus, you end up bringing back Eric in to kind of transition back into the rest of the song. And it makes so much sense as it connects all the pieces together. So it didn't feel like anything was out of place. Again, the transitions between different parts were absolutely fantastic here. Thank you. It's it's funny you say that because I think what I like most about Barrier Dead is like how much like 
particularly me and Adam meshed together our styles because he actually wrote like 95% of the lyrics yeah. as well. And he even wrote the first chorus melody. So like I'm singing it, but like he wrote it. And so then when the second chorus came along, you know how it like progresses, it goes from like kind of staying low to like opening up and blossoming and like feeling more emotional. And that was like my take on it. And we kind of extended it and did that the second time around. And then the third time around, it's it does something completely different. So I, I really like how the song follows like a structure that people are familiar with, but at the same time it progresses within itself and really just kind of op opens up and blossoms with its it's whatever it's trying to do. So Oh, it easily did that too. And then using more of like that melodic kind of style within your vocal set. Cause I remember listening to God, what was the song again? I get I just want to make sure I get it right. Anthem of the Broken, because Listening to you on the chorus on that one, it kind of felt like there was a little bit more of a, like a mixture of symphonic metal style within your vocal as well. And it felt like a little bit of that also within Barrier Dead as well, just with the more melodic drawn out style. But again, it just fits so well in there with what the rest of the, the instrumentation was doing on that part. And then bringing Eric in back to kind of outro that chorus and get back into the second verse. Oh man, just that brutalness of it just carried it right into it. Just the, again, the transitions. I mean, this is like data remember esque transition style right here. It's a good compliment. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, it's there. I mean, basically, when everyone thinks about, okay, what band just like blend all these different styles together and do it well, like data remember is always going to be like that one that people think. And you guys have that feel down where when it comes to transitioning between all these different styles. Awesome. It's really good to hear. And if you haven't heard it before, now you have. <laughs> <laughs> that is a gr great thing to hear because we try. So I'm glad. Yeah, it actually, like one of the favorite things for me, at least, is like when we actually do do those things where uh, Katie and I layer her cleans and my screams because it's almost like a harmony with two completely different vocal styles. And when we can manage to hit that just right, it just sounds freaking awesome every time. Well, oh, oh, it easily does. And I think one of the biggest things too is because you have that unclean male vocal and more of the clean female vocal on that side. So you're going to have a little bit more of a softer feel innately with the cleaner style. However, with the unclean style, just the brutalness of it at times, that contrast can be rather heavy. However, at times, those contrasts stand out so well because it ends up amplifying not only what Eric, what you're doing, but also what Katie's doing at the same time as well. It ends up making each part stand out because the other part is so different from it. And there are times when I'm not going to lie, I've seen bands where they try and do something like this and it's just like, guys, what the hell were you thinking? And it's just like me shaking my head. No, it's like, what the hell are you thinking? And this one, I'm like, God damn, what the hell are you thinking? This was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And you see, it can go either, it can go either way where it's like, what the hell were you thinking? And then at this point, I'm just like, this is awesome. <laughs> Every time. And then even like going through the rest of the album as well with songs like, cause you're talking about with your last song on there with uh, my asthma theory. Yeah. That one definitely had like the weirdest structure to it out of all the songs, because even horizon had a little bit more of that kind of verse, chorus, verse, chorus structure as well. My asthma theory. I mean, I listen to that and I'm just like, okay, now we're going back to something that's, you know, like early in the, I'm like mannequin or Lizzie walks where you're talking about a completely different song structure, but then it just took like so many different turns on. I'm like, huh, wait, what, 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 what's going on here? it was intended to be like that because yeah. 
that was really written in bits and pieces like it, it took the longest out of all the songs to write because we had like a promising first minute and a half but then we didn't know where to take it and like after months and months and months we're, we're almost like gonna give in because i'm pushing for this is the album closer i want it to be epic and progressive and wow everybody i want it to be our masterpiece you know and like i didn't want to just copy and paste like a verse or a chorus or something um, so it took a long time with all of us kind of coming together and figuring out what to do, but I think it really worked out because it definitely stands out from everything else on the album. Nothing repeats in it, but somehow, you know, I, I personally feel like it doesn't feel confusing. You know, it, it takes you on a journey and that's what we wanted it to be, where when you get to the end, you're like, wow, that was a story. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I think another good way to put it too is when it comes to my asthma theory, it's something where you listen to it and it really allows the listener to question after listening to this album. Okay, you're kind of getting a feel for Final Confession. You're getting a feel of what their sound is. But then after listening to my asthma theory, you're just wondering what the heck is going to happen next. And you're <laughs> constantly wanting more because you want that answer. You want to know what the heck they're going to come up with following this. And it's something where it's like, okay, what's going to come next? And you're going to be saying, hey, hey you got to wait. And then people are going to start getting that thought in their head where it's like, okay, what's coming next? What's coming next? And they're going to start coming up with these, your fans are start coming up with these different theories of, okay, this is where we're going to go with this. This is where they're going to go with this. This is where we're going to go with this. Kind of like, I'll bring up Ice Nine Kills example because after, uh, uh, like, uh, shoot, I can't remember the name of the fourth album. It's it's on the top of my head. I can't remember. It's the one with Yeah. Every trick in the book. There we go. And then after the Silver Scream, it's like, okay, I've had talks with people about this, talking to my friends, like, okay, what's going to be the next topic. And it's just, it's a, it's an intrigue thing. That's going to end up keeping them in your mind throughout the whole entire, like until that next album comes out similar with the means to an end as well, because after listening to my asthma theory, it's just like, what the hell is actually going to happen next? And you're going to want to stay in touch with you guys because you're going to want to know what that is going to be like. And it's kind of like, even with the Simpsons, when they did the who shot Mr. Burns episode, and then they had the whole entire off season for people just to try and figure it out. It's going to get people intrigued. It's going to keep you and their, your band in the minds of the fans. And then people going forward that are going to end up listening to your music, it's going to keep you guys in mind. So going forward, once live shows return, they're going to want to come out and see you. They're going to want to come out and jam out to these songs and go crazy to them all the while while wondering if they're going to get a taste of what's going to come next. It's going to be something that just adds that intrigue throughout the whole entire rest of this album cycle. No pressure oh. Now, like we have to deliver now. <laughs> Here's where the bar was set, but well, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, but I'll put it this way: Would you rather set the bar where you set the bar? Or would you rather set the bar a lot lower? I, I'm happy that you are intrigued, and we'll try to do the best we can to to um, satisfy that wonder. I guess we're gonna take the bar and we're gonna raise it. <laughs> You'd be like James Cameron in, in South Park. I must find the bar. Must raise the bar. We're going to take the bar and we're going to raise <laughs> But But one thing I will say behind that is, yeah, it's especially that it's like, okay, there might be some pressure, but all you guys have to do is just continue to make the music that you want to make. Continue to be inspired the way you want to be inspired and continue to provide the lyrical content and talk about the things that you want to talk about and be completely genuine about it. Because again, that's where the connection with the fans is going to come in. And if you're going to make something like that, again, not every fan is going to connect with it in the same way they did with the first, with, I mean, to an end, 
Would they connect with the second one even more so? That's very possible. Will some not connect with as much? That's possible as well. You're not going to end up pleasing everybody. That's what we've learned in what our many years here on Earth collectively. Yeah. <laughs> I mention so, it all the time with these guys, but my goal is to have this be our worst album that we come out with. Mm-hmm. So that you're always getting better with each release? Exactly. See, now that's a goal to have, but what happens if all of a sudden you guys get on that like thing that the Beatles had where every album is just utterly fantastic? <laughs> well, hey. Hey. <laughs> then we can start having the debates. <laughs> you know what's funny? Can I ask you all a personal question really oh, quick? Boy. Okay. I don't even know if you're all fans of Avenged Sevenfold, but if you are, how do you feel about the last few years? Well, I was a fan of Avenged Sevenfold, and then the last years happened. Not great, okay? So when when I did meet them, I just thought it was funny to bring up now, because um, I think Sinister Gates said, oh, you know, we're so happy you like what we've come out with, blah, 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 blah. Hopefully you like what we're going to come out with next. And if not, we can just keep playing the same songs over and over like Metallica does. <laughs> <laughs> Well, after listening to Hail of the King, I mean, they kind of went down that road with that sound. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny and real. Yeah, because on, on my end, personally, with Avenged Sevenfold, like, I got into him because of Guitar Hero. Thank you. Yeah. Guitar Hero yeah. for putting Beast Harlot on there. But then, I like, once I started, I didn't kind of fell off a cliff with them because I really didn't get anything much metal before I started all this stuff. I was more in that hard rock style with bands like um, Papa Roach, Skillet, Three Days Grace. And then also, I was I'm I'm huge into punk rock as well. Always listen to like anti flag, Pennywise, Rise Against, favorite band without a doubt. So all of a sudden, once more metal, once I started getting more into the metal stuff, metal, heavy metal, metal core, that kind of good stuff. All of a sudden, I'm like, okay, let's check out what Avenged Sevenfold did because I'm curious. And then what they did on Nightmare and their self title, I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. And then afterwards, I'm like. Well, this sounds a little different. So I kind of hope that if I know they're going to potentially keep some of the stuff they've come out with newer in their sound, but I hope yeah. potentially they mix some of that older sound from like 07, like 2007, 2010 in with what they're going to be doing and hopefully 2021, 2022. They have well, the, you know, hope yeah, so. they just, they just experimented a little, a little too far left. A little, little far past my taste. I'm not, not like they're not good musicians. You know, yeah. I'm not talking shit about them or anything, but yeah. Well, for me, I found Avenged Sevenfold through happening across Waking the Fallen among my stepdad's CDs when I was younger. Nice. And nice. that was an, in, the, an album to get started on because I went straight from that and segued to City of Evil. But it's funny that you mentioned that that's what they said because I just saw Avenged Sevenfold a year or so ago within this moment. And they played all the newer stuff and I wasn't really feeling it. They walked off stage. They came on for their encore, and it was like another half an hour of everything I actually wanted to hear. <laughs> I'll say with a band that's been around for, because they've been around since the early 2000s, so it's going to be something yeah. where they're going to have that longer discography. However, a lot of the bands that we like that were actually were around since the early 2000s, they're, they're going to create something. They're going to come out. They're going to be playing a lot of this stuff that, of course, is going to be newer. They might dab, they're might they hopefully going to dabble into their older stuff at some point, but they're always going to be playing a lot of newer stuff. And I think another example of that is a band like Asking Alexandra. They're playing a lot of their softer, more oh, yeah. newer stuff instead of playing something that, like, instead of playing, like, the final episode. But I've, because I remember listening to, like, A House on Fire, I was like, 
oh, dear God, this is definitely not what I'm enjoying. Right. However, I looked into it, looked into it more, and it's like they don't associate as well with their older stuff as they do with a softer sound. Now I'm like, okay, I'd rather have them making music than not making music because we could potentially get something again like what we got with either the final episode or something like Into the Fire Out from 2017. But mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're like, oh, let's get, get it back to just doing what they used to be doing, they're not going to want to make music, and then they're never going to be around. So I'd rather have them making music than not. Right. Yeah, especially with Asking Alexandria, because I followed them for a while, too, especially after they came out. And, like, after the after their Danny, their vocalist, left, I definitely fell off it for a little while. And then they came back, and I was like, oh, Into the Fire, this is awesome. And it was, like, alone in a room, you're like, wait, like, this is all right, but what what kind of a sound is this? And then yeah, all of a sudden, it was like, definitely awesome. a swap. <laughs> yeah. But then again, like a lot of the bands we see, it's like, of course, they're going to want to play their new stuff when they come out on tour, especially going into 2021 once hopefully tours return. Fingers crossed sometime like around May or June, because a lot of these bands are going to have a lot of new stuff to come out with as well. And they're going to want to play a lot of the new stuff because, again, that's what's that's what's fresh or something they came out with in 2020. But a lot of times fans are going to want to just hear some of the older stuff as well, because that's what they associate really well with. Oh, yeah. yeah. But we'll see what happens. And then going into 2021, because you guys came out with a means to an end in 2020. And of course, with coming out of the album in 2020 means you guys weren't able to tour it because of freaking COVID. Damn you. I'm still shaking my fist at it. Not happy with it. But my biggest question is, and I always like to ask this question. When it comes to 2021 and hopefully when tours return and live shows return, what is your guys's plan to make sure that Final Confession continues to grow and continues to achieve the goal that you want to achieve with it? Wow, that's uh really live shows wise, we were kind of hitting like getting our stride right when COVID picked up. Like I remember our last our last weekend playing shows as a doubleheader. We did what a Friday night, Saturday night. Yeah. So like Detroit, I don't know how much you, you probably don't know Michigan a, a ton, but like Detroit area, then Lansing, so like a decent distance away. And they were both, I mean, for us, probably our more packed shows, not all from our band, but like getting on these lineups with other heavy hitters in the areas. And then COVID comes along and like stops that. I'm afraid it, naturally we're probably going to have to like not backtrack, but start a couple of steps back where from where we were still being a local band. Cause we haven't really played outside of, uh, our band members live a little bit apart, hour, hour and a half, depending where we're practicing, whatever. Um, so we have kind of little pockets of live fan bases that we're starting to really grow. And now, now we might have to go back and just start that up a little bit again. But once we do, once everything's open, I'm pretty confident the the speed's going to pick up faster than it did before. We didn't have anything out at that point. We had a single from a year and a half ago that wasn't even on this album and we were still getting, getting clout and all that. So with this album out and then once shows start up. I mean, it's, it's obviously going to depend on how this shit show resolves. Like, is it just going to be like little shows here and there or like our tours a full go? Cause like we've, we've been like, you know, having like little discussions about like hopes and dreams of, well, it could be like viable in the near future to do like a long weekend, you know, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana or something like that and try to start branching out like that. So I guess that would be the goal if we have a goal is to like start being able to reach different 
fan bases and stuff and just kind of grow from there. All right. Now I have to ask this question because I made a whole entire video at the beginning of 2021 where, I mean, by the time we're recording this, it's not out yet, but it'll be out by the time this episode releases where the one big major concern that I have is, and I got to preface this with the fact that when I was in college, I studied economics. So when it comes to supply and demand and stuff like my mind's always thinking about this. And of course, with what's happened in 2020 with the music industry, paying attention, everything, especially live music. Yeah. I kind of have an, I kind of have a weird idea of something that might happen. I hope that something like this doesn't happen, but I have a feeling it might because now all of a sudden you're going to have every single band wanting to get out and tour at the exact same time. So because everyone was shut down for over a year at that point, if this is if tours return, if live music really returns to the full front in like May and June. And I think that's what the idea is right now. But again, anything can change. So with that in mind, taking a look at a lot of, there's a lot of live venues in a lot of places that have had to shut down because they haven't been financially viable because they haven't been able to have any live shows. And I don't want to get in a political discussion, but the freaking government didn't help them out at all until the Save Our Stage Act was put in the latest stimulus bill, if that ever even gets passed or not. We'll see what happens. Right. And even but that is starting State point. level. I mean, Michigan, I forget the exact dollar amount, but it was like $20 million for hundreds and hundreds of venues. Like a one or $2,000 check is not going to help for the past eight months. Ex- exactly. So where I'm going with this is, now you're going to have this quantity demand and potentially overall demand because of all the bands that are going to be able to play that want to play live. You're going to have an increase in quantity and increase in overall demand to play these live shows. However, with a lot of these venues closing because of COVID, because of them not being able to get potent or any kind of revenue in or any help from the federal government or state government for that matter, a lot of these places have closed. So the supp- overall supply of stages is going to be down. So the biggest question is, is with the potential for overall supply of stages to be down and overall demand for bands to get on these stages to increase, how are you guys going to be working in order to make sure that you are on these stages, that you are going to be able to play at any, at, at these places that you want to play at so that you continue to grow the band? What do you guys plan to do to make sure that you have that in mind and make sure that you are going to be on those stages? Do you mind if I say something really quick? You go. This yeah, go for thought- it mind just now I, I don't know about us in particular but i think this is gonna make an opportunity for local bands like us to really help revive music because we play to play you know we don't play to make bank off every show so i think like local bands like us are going to be willing to play shows and let the venues help make their money back you know what i mean we're not going to demand a five grand guarantee so i think it's going to open up opportunities for bands like us to kind of lift each other up again lift the venues up again that's that's at least what i think you know it's going to be kind of a help each other get back type of thing i think it's a double-edged sword it's going to be the ones that are not where like you're going to have those coalitions of like not house bands house bands don't exist but like anymore nowadays but like those ones that you know oh this band vets their home at venue. Those ones are going to survive and thrive and help each other. But then the ones that are kind of just breaking into certain scenes, certain pockets we were talking about, it's going to get a lot more competitive. You're not going to have those bands that whether they sound good or not, but they sold four tickets. You know what I mean? I, it's kind of the that bar to even enter into the playing live shows is going to be at least short term, six months to a year it's going to rise drastically where you're not even going to be given a shot unless people know that you're worth it. 
which I hope putting the album out ahead of time gave us a little bit of a like, okay, yes, these guys are not entry level. You know what I mean? Oh, easily. And that's kind of where I was going with this is just trying to figure out what you guys had in mind in terms of making sure that because whenever I tell you bring up like going against the competition, it's not you guys trying to put another band down or no. put anybody else down. What it is, is just there is only so limited amount of stage time out there every single day, every single week and every single month. And with so many bands vying for it, how are you going to be how are you going to make sure that you're the ones that are on the stage and have that ability to be able to play live not only within your local scene but also branch out even further following the release of the album and that's always something i want to bring up to bands and even if they don't have an answer or have an answer to it always get you guys to think about as well just because when it comes time for live music to return i don't want to see you guys get left in the dust because of the competition for time i i want to see you guys thrive in this situation so Having that, even if you guys haven't really thought fully about it yet, having that thought process start, it's going to end up giving you a competitive advantage over the rest in terms of getting on that stage. Oh, do what we can. I mean, we've had a successful one or two backyard shows out at our drummers. He has a good, you know, quarter acre of property that you can fit X amount of people at, so finding ways to stay relevant in the meantime is going to be the biggest thing. We're definitely already looking into um, people and services that can live stream concerts for us that have good video and audio quality. That's been our cutoff. We could have played a online show by now, but I don't want it to be one where you can barely tell who that person is, who that person is. The mix is terrible where you can only hear vocals or barely hear vocals. We're trying to find someone that can do it the right way in the meantime. Cause like I, I think May or June is optimistic unfortunately i know the biggest reason why i always bring up may and june is two reasons one is because there's a lot of those music festivals that still have their uh lineups from 2020 moving over to 2021 and they're slated to happen beginning in june however the reason why i always bring up may is because the biggest tour i've seen announced that is starting in may for 2021 as a hopeful is bring me the horizon however that's over in europe so that's a di that's a completely different story but then again it still inspires hope and it still gives us a, a like a starting point to work with yep but when it comes to like potentially live streaming a show, I do understand where you're coming from, JJ, where you want to make sure that the quality is there because if you can't tell who anybody is, people are not going to want to watch it. However, one thing I do want to bring up is have you thought about adding even more to it? Like just not making it just like a straight, like normal live stream show, like adding something to it to kind of also continue to bring pe more people in and kind of give more of an entertainment value to it. Similar to what ice nine kills it with their live stream, what motions and white did what Hollywood and dead did with their like Hollywood did a house party live stream kind of thing, just to constantly have a little bit more there so that it stands out above just what we saw at the beginning of the pandemic where like live stream shows where they just kind of got up on stage and played like they, it was a live show. Right. We haven't laid out details like that. We're just we're starting off with trying to find someone that can give the quality first before we even look at dates or when or when and how to do it. Um, it would be the first whenever we do it, it would be the first time people are hearing a live version of the full album. No one's heard. No one's really heard Miasma Theory played on a stage yet. No one's heard. What are some of the other ones? Anthem. I'm trying to remember which songs. Our last show is in February now. It's been forever, but yeah, we're, we're going to spice it up somehow. It has to be done. Yeah. And, and again, it's just something where if you guys hadn't thought of this, I wanted to bring it up so that it gets the, gets the gears and the brain going. For sure. And then 
I'll, I mean, I'll say that. Is there anything else you're planning on doing like social media wise, especially during a pandemic when again, optimistically thinking about live shows coming back in like May and June, because that gives us the first quarter, almost the first half of 2021, we're going to be in the same situation. So, and social media is going to be the biggest platform for you guys to expand because of how many eyes are on it in terms of people on their phones consistently, people on their computers because they got nothing else to do. They don't they want to take a break from watching whatever the hell they're watching on Netflix or Hulu at the point at that point. They don't they want to take a break from watching The Office for a 15 straight time in a row. So basically where this kind of goes into what is the plan to make sure that you guys continue to stay relevant, not only through like a potential live stream or potentially just trying to reach out to certain people, reach out to venues, make sure you have their support as well. So that when live shows come back, you're in their minds as well, but continue to push the band and promote the band on social media along with the album as well. I have a couple we've done Eric or Adam, you guys have stuff that for the future that we haven't done yet. That's been on your mind at all. Um, I'd brought up an idea just very briefly to JJ, some idea where we've considered uh, Call of Duty Warzone has recently allowed private matches to be available. So I've tossed around the idea of just maybe offering a giant game with like random fans so everyone could just ha- have a giant 100 person game with everybody. So one thing um, that we did, that's why I said the future, um, back when this first started, which I forget the first time we did it, but you know, we, we, our album's not ready. We can't put it out. We have no musical content to entertain with. We were doing every Friday final COD fashion where we would live stream with fans and all that. Um, we, we'd play uh, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, and live stream it. And we actually have met people from other states, other musicians, especially Dream Analysis, connections, just playing this video game and live streaming it that we never would have even had a conversation with before. That's something that I think if it's certain that this is still going to be a few more months, maybe we bring back for a few weeks. Um, that's just one. That's not like the, it's not like the golden egg out of the goose. That's all we got to do. But so yeah, a private party. Um, there's other biggest ideas I have for when the whole quarantine stuff is over, but we need to come up with a little bit more for in the meantime. That's one great one. Yeah, when it comes to just under having an idea for what you want to do once this whole entire thing breaks, that is definitely something you want to have in mind. However, you also want to make sure that you're thinking about what else you can do now. I do like that whole private war zone thing because then you're giving the fans opportunity to not only interact with you on a more personal level, but if you guys got like some sort of chat going on in there, I mean, you never know what the hell can happen, especially if you get like a whole entire like classic like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 chat room from like 2010 where everyone's just... I mean, we all know what was said in those. Yeah. You You never could take it seriously, but it was always hilarious hearing a 12 year old trying to say things that he did to your mom. You'll get hit with a can of twisted tea if you say that shit. (laughs) But one thing, because I remember I brought this up to a different band about, uh, I think it was episode 126 I did. So that had been back in like November, where they were potentially trying to do something on Twitch as well, but they weren't sure what to do with it. And the idea I brought up was. Something that me and my friends actually did in college, but this was before Twitch was a thing. And so it was just us doing it for our own fun selves. And what we would do is, is we would end up playing video games all together. So it was a lot, it was a lot of Mario Kart, a lot of Super Smash Bros. But it was always after a certain amount of time, like if we're playing Mario Kart, it'd be like four races. Whoever would finish last in those four races in total points would have to do some sort of weird and wacky punishment. Kind of like (laughs) Japanese game show kind of style. 
So <laughs> what could so this is where I'm going with this. So what you guys could do is you guys could do something very similar. But what that does is that adds intrigue to the fans. Like, okay, who's gonna win? Who's gonna lose? And what is this wacky punishment gonna be? And it doesn't have to be anything like too crazy. It just has to be something that's can be like kind of just weird and just doesn't make any sense. But we'll get not only the fans to laugh, we'll entertain them as well. And then you can also have certain things going on, certain contests going on where it's like, okay, certain fans is like, if you want to be behind like this person or this person or this person, kind of just adding on to it and kind of adding more of like a competition based or like a team based kind of style to it. So all of a sudden you've got fans going over for Eric. You got fans behind Adam because they really like Adam. They got fans behind Katie because they really want Katie to win. You've got no fans behind JJ because they want to see JJ do all the weird and wacky punishments. (laughs) I mean, you never know what might happen, but the fact of the matter is, it's an extra intrigue that people are going to want right. to watch and people are going to want to know what the hell these wacky punishments are, especially if the person that they are rooting for to have the wacky punishment be done to them end up having to do the wacky punishment. It's a good idea. Yeah, that's that a really grand idea. I mean, and you don't have to do something like, cause I was watching Jackass earlier today because I was, didn't know what else to do while I was working. So <laughs> I had that on. So I'm like, okay, I'm thinking of some weird wacky. It's like, okay, maybe not strapping someone to a giant rocket and throwing them into a lake or um, rolling someone down a large hill in a shopping cart. But, you know, something just that you would not normally see, but not going to like completely injure somebody. Right. Have you seen Impractical Jokers? Oh, yeah. That's what that reminds me a lot of. Honestly, you oh, could, yeah. like, something like Impractical Jokers, like, the kind of stuff that they would do, that would be kind of that wacky punishment that would really work out. I mean, we, we could get two boxes of Alfredo and make me and Eric see who's no. first. Don't traumatize him again. Wasn't it the first practice or the second one? We went straight to the studio because oh. this kid was just on fire. Yeah, one of the first real interactions we had besides "Okay, you're hired." We uh we had a eating contest. It was Alfredo. And, no, uh, what happened was Eric on, made the on. mistake of posting about how much Alfredo he could eat on Facebook, and JJ <laughs> took it as a personal challenge. It was directed at me. He didn't know my name yet, but he called me out. So for the next few months, Eric was traumatized, forced to eat as much Alfredo as he possibly oh, no, could. No, it was only once. <laughs> No, it was brought up more no, we should once. do that again. We should have a full box of peas, three jars of sauce, bossy <laughs> coke, roasted garlic, <laughs> and whoever can finish a whole box first wins, and whoever doesn't um, has to give their leftovers to the winner. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know if I'd want to win that or lose that, because I have to give my leftovers to the winner. Do they have to eat the leftovers right then and there? Oh, dude, I will down that shit in 45 minutes flat. <laughs> That, that 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 just sounds like if if I was a part of that, that'd just be a punishment right there for me. <laughs> well, think of something. I might do that anyways without Eric. But. <laughs> yeah, but but then again, see, like there's stuff like that where if for someone like myself, like if I'm going through Twitch and if I'm like if I'm online or anything, and I see you guys doing a live stream like something like that, and it's if it's put out there like you know, loser does wacky punishments. I'm like, okay, I want to check this out to see who the band like. If I don't know the band, who the band is. And what the heck they're doing and what these wacky punishments are. And if it's something like, okay, you know, you got to run out, you got to do a, you got to do a snow angel, just <laughs> like in a t-shirt and shorts or something like that. And then as the other, as they go out and do a snow angel, all of a sudden you lock the door behind them and you leave them outside for like five minutes. They're pounding the door like, let me in, let me in. I mean, hey. as and for me, it'd be like, ha 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 ha. JJ, you out in the snow and cold. I got 
It's a good idea. Oh, I'm fuck with somebody in the band. I'm down. We'll do it. <laughs> I'll say if, if you haven't if you haven't figured out if I was definitely on someone's team to make them do a wack punishment, I just don't want to see JJ do the wacky punishments because I brought him up twice doing these. Yeah. <laughs> We're all on that that same boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thinking about it, I mean, you guys have the new album. You guys have ideas of what you can do between now and when live shows return. And JJ, you already are working on ideas for when live shows return. And you're thinking about ways to make sure that when you get a chance to play live shows again, how you're going to be able to continue to expand the band, expand the fan base. And not only that, but also make sure that even with a potentially lower supply of stages with a higher demand for that stage time, that you guys have much more ability to play during those stage times. So always think about that and always having that in your mind is something that is a very good thing. However, one thing I will be doing is I will be keeping my eye on you guys to make sure that this stuff keeps happening because, well, if I don't, if I don't try and hold you accountable, who will? <laughs> we appreciate that. Maybe the random like outside influence, like he, 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 he. All of a sudden, it's going to be like February, and we're going to be like, hey, guys, remember it's remember to do your taxes also. What the heck are you guys doing for the live stream stuff? Come right. on. Hey, <laughs> hey not, nothing but bad, nothing, nothing wrong with a fair, fair reminder to do your taxes so you don't get audited? Yeah. That's going to be fun this next time. I know. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't tell, I'm super excited about it. I mean, I think I read that some of the $600 stimulus stuff's coming like tonight and tomorrow for the first wave. So check your uh, automated transactions and shit. Everyone had a ton of questions last time this happened on how it's going to affect taxes, right? Yeah, I think so already. We're going to, I'm already pulling out my phone. I'm going to see if it came. (laughs) If it did, I'm going to be happy because I'm doing a whole entire, (laughs) uh, by the time this episode comes out, because I'm partnering with a different, uh, another company to help promote the podcast on other podcasts and other like radio shows as well to get people to listen to it. So I'm like, eh, you know, might be a good time for that stimulus to come in as well, just because it kind of costs a little bit. (laughs) Right. And nope, not yet. Nothing yet. Nothing, nothing yet. Um, just, just, just a lot of uh, purchase charges that I've made. Nothing into my account yet. Read the last ten of them off. <laughs> oh God! No. Oh, Along with God. your account number. I want the last ten things you spent money on. Um. Oh shoot. Let me see. So we have. That no, you can't skip. That I, can't, <laughs> that I can't skip. Um. Let's see. There's groceries. There is new checks because I was out of checks, so I have to pay because I have to pay my rent with checks, and I couldn't find the rest of my like actual checks. So yeah, what? yeah, we run an old school here in Milwaukee. Yeah, nope. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, let's see. Then there is what the heck was, um, my credit card bill I paid off. Uh, a transfer of funds from my checking account into my vacation fund. Let's see what else is there. Um, another. <laughs> grocery bill um a tra- another tra- a transfer into my mutual fund gas a haircut <laughs> costco my gym membership uh let's see what the heck is that more groceries a gift card for my grandpa for christmas your groceries more well functioning than i was hoping for it's not as entertaining as i was i was waiting for dirt <laughs> <laughs> well, like, well, then again, I'm just giving you my what the stuff that comes up. Com- what <laughs> I get from, um, let's see. Uh, 
He knows. In bulk, I've got cereal, chicken, and laundry detergent. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> eat the cereal, eat the chicken, and do my laundry. <laughs> I was going to say, if I looked up my credit card purchases, that would be something completely different because everything that's on there. And honestly, it's like, okay, all the Christmas presents I bought, all the random band merch that I bought over the course of like the past like two months because I kind of get wacky with that. And I'm just like, oh, hey, look. I want to buy that. I, like, I want to buy that mystery box. Let's go for that. Let's buy these mystery t-shirts. Oh, hey, it's Nightmare on the 9th. Let's see what Ice Nine Kills came yep. out with. I always miss that, but I swear I make a conscious effort like a day or two after. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey some, I mean, they're usually on there for two to three days, so you might be, you might get lucky on some of these. Uh, I, I hate, I torch myself and look at their inventory because they still have a lot of their sold out stuff listed up there just so you yeah. can know. Just so you can know what you missed. And, yeah, I mean, because yeah. I've got one of the Nightmare on the Nine shirts on right now. It's got the, uh, it's the Donald Duck is Jack Torrance from The Shining. It's on the back of the shirt, though. Right. Yeah, the, I have gotta, the Mickey Mouse, evil Mickey Mouse one, long sleeve. That was a good story. I want to get kicked out of Disney World sometime because <laughs> they didn't do their due fucking diligence to see what kind of bands were coming to play. I almost you heard, the, right? What was that? You heard that story, right, of Ice Nine Kills and Disney World? Oh, absolutely. Why do you think I have the Donald Duck shirt? I have, yeah. the, I have, I actually have two of the Donald Duck shirts. I have the Jack Torrance one. I have the Pennywise one. I have the Goofy as, uh, what's his face? Goofy as a uh, Leatherface. And then also one of the, yeah. and two of the Mickey Mouse as Freddy Krueger ones. Nice. So I'm, I'm definitely aware of the story and I've almost gotten kicked out of Disney World as well. I'm not, I haven't gotten <laughs> kicked out yet, but uh, yeah, that's what happens when you go down to florida and then your dad's cousins are like hey come and have lunch with us and then we end up getting drunk and going to disney world (laughs) i gotta say though watching parents freak out over their kids and they see you just like having a blast without kids just that look of just like sheer like hatred on their face when they look (laughs) at you it's it's so much fun (laughs) so if you ever get a chance if you're going to disney do it without kids it's it actually is a lot of fun (laughs) I'm sure. So on that, I was just saying that. What was that? What was that, JJ? You kind of cut out a little bit. No, let's do final confession. Takes over Disney World. We'll put some GoPros on our on our foreheads and just have it. <laughs> oh, kids! He no likes anything. it. He did the face. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so down. Fun. I want to see that happen. Taking a look at the time now, we're at about like that hour and a half mark. And I think it's a good time to end it because we've kind of gone through a bunch of the wacky stuff that we've yeah. talked about with your connection with Ice Nine Kills, the whole entire run through of a mean soon end, which I do want to f- close after this with. Um, so we also went through your guys' take on what you're planning on doing in 2020 or 2021 before live concerts return, but after live music returns, and then some of the other crazy stuff. But I do want to end with my final thought before we end up doing the whole entire goodbye saying our thing. I wrote out a whole final thought on what I thought of the album. And I want to share it with you guys just so that you get the full take of it. So again, looking to the right. So I don't mess this up. And I said, <laughs> when it comes to final confession, when I first saw the endorsement from Spencer Charnis of I sang kills, I knew that I had to listen and to expect some metal core with some sinister feelings to it as well. As I jumped into a means to an end, I got that, but then even more so. On the first few songs of the record, they show that they can use a brutal and fast-paced metalcore sound and mix it with a softer sound coming from Katie's vocal set, and they do it very well to make sure that these songs make sense. 
Mannequin's the best example of this and the best style to show this as they even go against conventional song structure and style to their advantage. Once we get to Anthem for the Broken, I saw maybe won't be my first issue with that different construction styles. The songs didn't connect between the first chorus and the second verse. Kind of put it on its own island. That was the one little thing I had to say about that. I was starting to have my doubts until Barrier Dead came. Here the band showed mixing that metalcore style with more of an energetic post-hardcore style that really had a great feel to it. Great mix overall with the vocals and jumping right into the breakdown after the second chorus was incredibly well done. That song had me hooked on the band with Horizon offering the same feel yet in more of a pop punkish kind of way. Katie and Eric contrasting vocal styles together with that same style instrumental tones is something incredible to listen to. The Aftermath shows more of the duet style in this and it works out so well with a faster paced style to fit Eric and somewhat of a pop punk style and post hardcore tone to fit Katie as well. Their blending is great. It's not as like totally perfect as a day rubber, but still absolutely fantastic. For a debut, this is pretty badass, and I'm glad I got to tell them right to their faces. All right. Well, man. Thank you, dude. I appreciate Thanks. that. Sorry, I had to keep we my head turned because I didn't want to, like, mess any of that up because <laughs> I probably would have if I didn't. <laughs> no, and that means I'm glad you got that much from it. That's, that's really awesome and happy that you checked it out and and really put thought into it. And now everyone else, you have to check it out and put the exact same amount of thought into it, too, because you won't regret it. <laughs> so as we close this out i always like to give you guys a chance to say some final words final remarks whatever you want to say so now the floor is yours i've talked enough um <laughs> basically all i have to say is thank you very much for having us it's been a pleasure and it's been a lot of fun and we appreciate you keep doing what you do thank you very much for having us on anyone watching uh we appreciate you checking us out we're out here to be a part of it all, so we'll be checking in with you, too. Um, but, yeah, let's hear more from Eric and Adam. I feel like it's been a little quiet on that side of the phone. Oh, it always is. <laughs> Thanks for having us. I mean, for everyone out there, just keep an ear out. We've got more coming. That's for sure. Thank you guys very much for having us, like, having us all here because it was a really fun experience. This is definitely the first time I'd ever done an interview at all, especially over Zoom. So this was kind of an awesome experience overall. And we definitely have plenty more opportunities and lots more coming in the future. Well, now it's time for me to conclude with my final take on this. So again, Adam, Eric, JJ, Katie, thank you for being on the podcast. It was incredibly fun to have you. And even though I would say it's incredibly fun to have bands on the podcast, that's because it's true and it rained true here as well. So love being able to talk to you guys. Love being able to dive deep into a means to an end and really get to talk to you guys about it as well. And for everyone listening out there, do you want to know where you can find Final Confession and find this album to stream it? Well, you can find them all on social media and find them all on when, like Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you can find them. But you're probably wondering, why can't I just click a link in like a description of this podcast and go right to there? Well, fun thing is you can. I'm going to include every single link for these guys for you to follow them, listen to their music, stream it, buy their merch, whatever I can find on them. It's going in the description. So you can just click on the link. It's a one-stop shop. That's all you need to know. And keep streaming. I mean, soon end, I almost said a match in a water because I'm thinking about uh, Pierce the Veil there. Look at me go. I'm already starting <laughs> to lose my mind here. But please, please, please listen to and stream a means to an end. You will not be disappointed by it. It is Spencer Charnas approved. Had to give that a little bit in there once again. And with that note, I don't want to say goodbye to you guys because for two reasons. One, 
is I never like to say goodbye because it always seems like, you know, it's the end kind of thing. I want to see you guys play live at some point. I want to have you guys back in the podcast. I'm going to keep tabs on you to make sure that you guys keep growing the way you should be growing because you guys are freaking awesome. This album is great. So I want to make sure that happens. But also when it comes to bands that I enjoy having on the podcast a lot, I do this thing where I always want to see you guys play live. However, I want to make sure that I can be able to connect with you guys a little bit more so and actually, you know, show my appreciation for what you guys have done with the music and that because I've enjoyed it so much and had you on the podcast. So for the when the when I see you live for the first time, I'll make you a promise. First round's on me. Yay. Oh boy, here we go. Um you guys need to get your bombs. I might have to get myself a tequila shot because I just like tequila a lot more. We or, never gave your high five with Cody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. But yeah, we'll it. have to come to Wisconsin. Definitely. Or honestly, in 2021 or 2022, I might just be all over the place. If I see you guys playing a live show and you just see some random guy in a in a black baseball hat all of a sudden just get knocked to the ground during a song and his nose is bleeding, gets a concussion. There's a good chance it's me. Just know I'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. So on that note, again, I won't say goodbye because now I've got all these promises there. So I can't end that with a goodbye and good conscience. So I'll end it with my favorite thing in the world. See you later. All right. See you next time. See you. See you next time. Whoa, 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 folks. That was my interview with the band Final Confession. They're out of Michigan. And keep an eye on them because you know what? They really have something going on here. Please listen to A Means to an End, the whole entire thing. You are going to enjoy it. Trust me on this one. Again, links for everything when it comes to finding the band, buying merch from them. Because, yes, please support these guys and listening to them. Everything is going to be in the description of the podcast. So, please, please, please get on that right now. And on that note... <clears throat> Clear my third for this. That's gonna be for me, and you guys. Thank you for watching, listening to the Core Progression Podcast. But that Mr. DD rocks or rock and metal thrive. My name is Kevin, and you guys know how well in every single one of these episodes, the big, healthy, and hearty. See ya! Yeah. Oh.